And now will you join me as we look in God's word. Our Old Testament lesson is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles, you can find that on page 1445. Again, it's Micah, chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. Listen to the word of the Lord. But you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will, be, live, they will live securely from then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and, they, and he will be their peace. This is the word of the Lord.
I love Advent. I love the time that we get together to uh, share. Uh, Advent, you know, is the four weeks before Christmas. It's a time for us to prepare our hearts so that we are ready for the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the celebration of our Lord's birthday. But the question that raises in my mind, and I've heard it uh, this weekend already, why is Christmas such a big deal? It's the largest celebration around the world each year. Other holidays simply get one day, but uh, Christmas is emphasized for a month, one-twelfth of every year. During the Christmas season, billions of people set aside their normal routines to decorate their homes and send out Christmas cards and buy gifts uh, and go to Christmas parties, uh, attend church services, can't leave that one out, and uh, sing Christmas songs, watch their favorite Christmas specials, travel long distances to be with their families. Christmas sights and sounds are with us now. They fill the air everywhere. The angel said at Christmas that uh, Christmas would bring great joy for all people. So let me ask you, really? Does it for you? For many people, getting ready for Christmas seems more of a hassle than a source of happiness. It's a source of stress for many of us. We feel pressure, not pleasure. With two pastors in our uh, house, we have to get ready for Christmas early. So, on Friday afternoon and Friday early evening, we decorated the inside and the outside of our house being ready for Christmas. Now, I had a great time as we, uh, I just loved watching my grandkids. Uh, they really got into uh, Christmas this year. My son took the Christmas tree and he cut out two sections of it. So there's, it, it's crazy, put a platform in there. And my wife had Christmas houses, uh, those little things that you buy and decorate. And um, she had 60 some. They were in our, for everywhere. Well, my son and daughter-in-law are not into putting up 60 of them, but he cut out two sections of the Christmas tree, put a, a brace in there, and circled the tree with some of the houses, more special houses that we have in two different sections. And then my grandkids got to put all of the people in there, hundreds and hundreds of little people in there. In fact, they, um, it, it started a long time ago, and every year it keeps going, they, they have enough people with little dogs that they have a dog parade in the front. And, and every week they move the parade from one side of the tree to the other side of the tree. It works its way around. And, and free reign, they get to move the people wherever they want. It's, it's really wonderful, and I love it. But for many of us, Christmas is not pleasure, it's stress. There are many possible reasons for uh, this. You may feel uneasy or lonely or even depressed during the Christmas season. You may dread spending time with oddball relatives. 
you know, something dawned on me. Uh, with some of the deaths in my family, I'm now the oddball relative in the family. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that. Have any of you ever experienced buyer's remorse for something you bought at the Christmas time? You know, something catches your attention and some object or piece of clothing, something that catches your eye and you buy it and you get it home and you use it or you wear it or you drive it, but you have a gnawing sense of dissatisfaction and you think, why did I go and do that? This isn't giving me the payoff that I thought it would. That's buyer's remorse. I bring this up because there's a, another common phenomenon that happens around the first week of the new year. About that time, I ask people, well, how was your Christmas season? And people hang their heads and they talk about the kind of Christmas remorse. They say, I had high hopes this year of going into Christmas with a great worship and wonder of uh, our great God sending us his son. And I wanted wonderful family time that, that wouldn't be rushed and we could celebrate Christmas. You know, a real life Hallmark movie. They say, I wanted to, it to be the richest time that I've ever had, that we've ever had. And I say, and? And they say something like, well, you know how it goes. Here on the other side of Christmas, I'm now exhausted and I'm emotionally numb and I have bruised relationships with family and a lot of friends I never got in touch with. And the worst thing of all is I feel farther away from God now than when I entered the Christmas season. But that then, just like the Padres or the Charger fans, they say, but next year, next year I promise, next year I'm going to get Christmas right. So that when we get to the other side, we'll look back with great satisfaction and say, this Christmas season we got right. Well, that's what this sermon Advent season is all about. I want you to listen with me for a minute to a very familiar passage. It's Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now every time you read that passage, there's some little point maybe that you've forgotten, and God by his love and his grace points it out to you. I hope that this Christmas season you'll read that passage, just seven verses, a couple of times each week. And when you do, I believe that you'll be reminded of what God did to meet your needs and my needs. 
how God saw our world and did not look away. He sent forgiveness to us wrapped in the form of a baby. He did look at our fallenness and he knew what we, that we needed a savior. So he sent us his own son. If our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, well, he would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, well, he would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a savior. At Christmas, we're reminded that God sent the best that he had for the most pressing need. And he met that need. He had you in mind when he commissioned his only son to take on human flesh. He had you in mind when he, uh, when he uh, sent his son to, to die for us so that we could have new life, new life and new hope. And when we start thinking these kinds of thoughts, as we let these fundamental Christmas truths wash over us, you know what happens? We start letting those truths draw us nearer to God. We sense his presence more. We're filled with a kind of wonder and worship that changes the way we relate to our friends and our family. A Christmas spirit to take root in our spirits. For the weeks ahead until Christmas Day, we're going to focus on how to get Christmas right. But I'm worried for you in between Sundays. So I've identified some Christmas objects, some Christmas elements that you see and you touch. And I'm going to try to identify them as memory aids tethered to a Christmas truth. So that when you see these things out there, you'll say, oh, wait a minute, Randy talked about this. That hopefully you'll come back to the content of this Christmas message and be washed again right here where you are in the midst of your day so that you can get this Christmas right. So let me show you what I mean. The first memory that I want you to think about or the first thing is a nativity scene. Do we have one? Yay. It could be on your neighbor's lawn or in your house someplace. Uh, my grandkids started setting up nativity scenes all over the house. They have a little kid's one that they sat up in front of the fireplace and it just kept going and going and going. But it's important for us every time we see a nativity scene, it's important for us to say that really happened in human history. Now, you don't have to, when you're outside someplace or in a mall or someplace, say, you know, that, that out loud, that really happened in human history. But I want you to say it inside. But today, right now, I want you to say it with me. That really happened in human history. The nativity happened. So you see, there's so much out there that just is like Christmas folklore. You know what I mean. Uh, sleighs and elves and talking snowmen, so many other things. I mean, was there really a little drummer boy at that first Christmas? I don't think so. A number of years ago, 
a group of us actually were standing on a hill overlooking the fields where the shepherds watched their flocks outside of Bethlehem. We went to the place where Jesus was born. We walked the streets of Nazareth where Jesus grew up and where Mary collected water for her family. We sat at the Sea of Galilee in a fishing boat looking at where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. We stood quietly and looked at the place where Jesus was crucified between two thieves, where he purchased mine and your salvation. We even uh, prayed a prayer of thanksgiving in front of the empty tomb. Over and over again, I would think, this is where it really happened. And I've just got to say that some of us are going to Israel this next October, and we'd love for some of you to come and join us in this trip. It all happened in part for me and for you. Okay, let me give you another memory aid. This one is a sheet of music. Yes? Yeah, angels we have heard on high. there's never another time you can turn that down even off one more try there we go there is never another time in the year when you're going to be exposed to more music than during this Christmas season because well some of us might forget these things let me remind you of this it's called an, uh, uh, an album uh, it was a piece of plastic about the size of a 12-inch pizza and we used to put them on the thing called a turntable. And they would spin around and the needle would go in a groove and the quality, be, quality would be like the sound coming out of a Coke can. And then everything changed and then we got, boy, eight track tapes, I can remember. And boy, that was a big step forward. And then, then came cassettes and now we have CDs and blue teeth, whatever those things are. And you know that your phone can now have untold number of songs on it? I'm amazed. That's just a little history lesson for some of you that have forgotten. So you can go anywhere now with you can't go anywhere now without hearing uh, Christmas music. So what I'd like for you to do is to tether any Christmas music you hear between now and Christmas Day to the story we just read in Luke 2. But be careful, don't tether it to silly Christmas music. We're to tether it to the Christmas carol that was sung. Angels sang it. They got the lyrics right. The lyrics of what you hear in Christmas music today, well, it's just loony. They, they, they get it wrong. Grandma didn't get run over by a reindeer. The first Christmas carol said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. It's saying that God is doing by sending his son. We're to have to worship and to have give glory to God in the highest because he deserves it. And then says that Jesus is the Christmas child and he's going to bring peace. 
peace that passes human understanding. Some of you today need his peace. He's going to replace anxiety with tranquility. He's going to replace that anxious spirit that so many people live with, with peace. He's going to take uh, worry about eternity and replace it with trust. That heaven awaits those who have opened their hearts to Christ. So whenever you hear Christmas music for the next few weeks, say, wait a minute, I was supposed to remember something. Oh yeah, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That's what God wants us to know. The next memory aid, uh, well, it's Christmas cards. Oh, there they are. I hope you get some. I got one just the other day, and my thought was that this person is under-challenged. They need to uh, uh, get a bigger challenge at work or at home. They need to find a place to volunteer at their church. If their lives are so in order that they can get their Christmas cards out before Thanksgiving, they're just under-challenged. I hope I'm not digging myself a hole uh, here with any of you, but, but let me say something more about Christmas cards and sending them. Sometime in the year, a person evaluates their relational world. And at Christmas, they make a list of their friends that they want to touch or bless their lives. So they send them a card of encouragement. Whenever you receive a Christmas card, the first thing you ought to do is to think, I'm on somebody's friendship list. That's a wonderful thing. Thank God for friends. Thank God for friends who have you in mind and who want to bless your life. So when you get a card, say, God, thank you for friendship that I'm on someone's friendship list. And then before you put it on the stack, hold it in your hands for just a moment and say, the Bible says that when I've opened my heart to Jesus Christ, I'm on God's friendship list. And Jesus said one time in John 15, 15, I now call you my friends. Do you know what it means to be on God's friendship list? Do you know that the best human friend you have is flawed? They don't have unlimited time for you. They don't always have perfect listening skills or empathy or even perfect counsel. They try, but we're all flawed. But when you're on God's friendship list, you're in a relationship with a flawless friend. His love is Love of another kind, his listening skills are unparalleled. He's available 24 hours a day. His counsel is always wise and true. His power and his resources are infinite, and he makes them available to you. One day I was feeling overwhelmed, and I went out and sat on one of the benches here at the church. Suddenly I was aware of the presence of God, and I knew of his friendship. It was as if he was saying right to me, Randy, you're not alone. This is my church. Your family is mine. Your health is mine. And we'll work on this together. Some of you here today need to know of God's love for you too. You can't imagine how you're going to make it through this Christmas. Well, 
You need to be made aware today that you're not alone. Even if you or someone you know is facing the valley of the shadow of death, God says, I'll be there. It might be hard, but we'll make it together. So whenever you get a Christmas card, remember you're on God's friendship list. One more thing that you may use a lot this Christmas, it's a little piece of plastic. Some of you maybe have used it already. Um, You've used it so much that it got red hot. You might have used it so much that the numbers are starting to melt off of it. Probably happened this weekend sometime. So let us use our credit card as a memory aid. When the card is being processed, you know you have a window of about 20 to 30 seconds. Just say to yourself, this bill is coming due soon, and I'm going to have to pay it someday, and it even may hurt when I have to. But then think, my moral debt came due one day, and Jesus Christ paid it, and it hurt him. But he did it anyway. And in this moment, I worship him. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. Friends, Jesus Christ is God's Christmas present to you. Let's take some time every day to focus our minds and our hearts upon him. What an unbelievable God to give us the gift like that that he has. Remember, the gift of salvation, whenever you receive it, whenever you receive a gift this year. Now remember how much God loves you. It's so evident at Christmas time. We have to decide which way we're going to think, though, every day. God, you love me, or this is really a hard Christmas season, and I hope it gets over quickly. We want to get this Christmas right, and that's really what God wants for us to. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you for your love and care. We ask that your spirit be with us in a very special way, that you touch our hearts and our lives, and that you would lead us and guide us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.